Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So today marks a new sermon series. We're going to do six weeks based on this book by Paul Young called Lies We Believe About God. So each week is a different chapter in the book where we're going to focus on just that. Lies that somewhere along the way we've come, whether we realize it or not, to believe about God. Paul Young is also the author. Some of you may have read The Shack or the book Eve. He wrote those. And so this is an interesting book that uh, Tony brought to my attention. So if you don't like it, Pastor Tony. (laughs) But today we focus on God is a magician. That's the lie. God is a magician. And now I'll preface this by saying that I think magician and superstition can kind of overlap in this regard. Magician and superstition. So a word about superstition. I, I would like to say I'm not a superstitious person, but on occasion that would be a lie. Because one place where this definitely comes up is on Sunday afternoons after worship and I go home during the fall to watch yours and my Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Do you mind? I am the one preaching. So here's the deal. I'll go home, and this is kind of a ritual that happens. I have to sit in my den and watch the game, and someone who's a part of this congregation and I, I won't mention her name, Kelly Williams, um, she and I will text back and forth, both avid Browns fan, and we have to figure out which jerseys we're wearing for the game. I have three. One's (laughs) Baker Mayfield. Bernie Kosar and Joe Thomas. And so one's, two of them are brown, one of them is white from like the 80s. And so we'll try to coordinate, figure out which lucky jersey to put on. And, and we've done this for several years now, but here's the problem. We've come to realize there is no right combination. Doesn't matter which one we wear, we're always disappointed. And so I decided to take this stupid superstition and throw it out on my porch until the next week when they won. And then I figured, well, maybe I should lay them out on the porch every week. (laughs) So we'll see what happens this year. But, But it's a dumb superstition. I actually, one of my other sports teams that I like to follow, the Ohio Bobcats. I love you guys. I like to listen to them when they're on the radio, whether it's football or basketball, because I really like the radio announcer. His name's Russ Eisenstein. And they do this thing, it's kind of an ongoing joke with them, where they refuse to be superstitious. And so they'll say things like, this kicker hasn't missed a field goal in 45 tries. Now, there's a lot of fans out there that at that point are like, oh, great. Now you've jinxed it. And sometimes it seems like that's the case, but he then will always follow it up with, and I'm going to announce that he hasn't missed a field goal in 45 tries because we don't believe in superstitious garbage on this channel. 
And so it's kind of an interesting thing to see where do you fall into that superstition sort of category. Now, I bring this up as a way of kind of showing that sometimes in faith we fall into that same trap. And that's what Paul Young points out in this chapter. We may not say, when I say God is a magician, you may deny that you would believe that. And when I say magic in this regard, it's less about card tricks and illusion. And it's more about, uh, it's more about we try to kind of get our own way through things that we say and do and try to exert control over someone or something. That's more of the magic that we're talking about here. We try to enlist God's help through the use of magic by the way that we say prayers or do things that are part of our faith life, or if we say the right prayers, then perhaps God will bless me. Kind of fall into this cycle sometimes, whether we want to admit it or not. In the book of Judges, we meet this character named Gideon. And Gideon is, he's in Israel, and he's an Israelite, but the Midianites have invaded. And whenever they invade the territory that they take over, they basically pillage. There's nothing left after they go through. And so Gideon knows that they're coming and Gideon's hiding. And we see him beating a wine press and he's kind of hiding away so that they won't find him. And this angel appears to Gideon and it's, it's a horrible situation that he's in. And this angel appears and tries to enlist him to rise up. And Gideon's response is this. But sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened? See, in a way, he's kind of subscribing to this God is a magician thing. If, if we're doing the right things here, God, so why does our life look like this? Why are we being oppressed by the Midianites and fleeing for our lives? We've done the right things. Where are you? You're not living up to your part of the bargain. So the author Paul here says there's basically two types of magic that we do in faith without we realizing it or not. The first one is this, faith magic. Faith magic. It's this faith that we even read in scriptures sometimes. If we have enough faith, we should be able to move mountains. If we have enough faith, we should be able to raise the dead. If we have enough faith, we should be able to be healed or to be rich or to have that child that for whatever reason we can't have. If we just have, and you'll hear Christians say this all the time, if we just have enough faith, I know I always heard that when I was a chaplain at the James uh, Hospital, Cancer Institute. You heard it all the time. We just have to have more faith. Now, here's the problem. What happens then when something goes wrong? Right? I mean, that's, that's where we have to go to the next step. If, if it's all about the amount of faith that we have, then what do we do when something goes bad? What does that do to our theology? How do we straighten that out? Early on in COVID, one of my high school best friends, his brother, came down with COVID. And it was still early on, no vaccines available yet. And he knew it was bad one night when he couldn't, he was having a hard time breathing. And so he tried to sleep in his car sitting up. And it just kept getting worse and worse. He ended up at the hospital and it became evident over the course of the next week that he was going to have to go on a vent. And before, he, he knew that this might be the end for him. And so he asked his wife, he said, I don't care how you do it. 
I don't care who you reach out to, use social media, however you do it, reach out to as many people as you can. I don't care if they're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist. Have them pray for me. Then he went on to the vent, and he was in a coma for three months. And they thought, there's no way. And as a matter of fact, sometimes they encouraged his wife to unplug the vent. She refused. He came out. <laughs> he woke up. He had took a couple weeks or a couple months to learn to walk again, but it was just about a month or so ago that he happened to be here in our church for a mutual friend's wedding. And it's an amazing story, and I was talking with his wife afterward, and she attributes it to all the prayer. Now, that's a beautiful story, and don't hear me. Please don't hear me saying anything against the prayer because we believe in prayer. We believe God can do miracles. We don't always know why or how or for who, but, but she said she's convinced it was the prayer and the faith of people who were praying. So here's the only problem with that. What about all the others? Other people who had faith, other people who had people praying for them, other people who, who enlisted every bit of support they could get, and they didn't make it. Does that mean they didn't? have enough faith? You see, sometimes when we use that magic statement of we just have to have enough faith, we're trying to elicit that control over a situation, over something or an illness, and we're trying to, to get that, but, but the damage that that can do when it doesn't happen is devastating for so many people. Devastating for so many people. So what if instead of using magic statements, like I just need to have enough faith, what if instead... What if instead we lived into God's promise that no matter what, no matter what direction this is going, we certainly hope it's going this certain direction, but if it doesn't, I trust in the promise that God, you are with me no matter what. So that's our first type of magic. The second one is performance magic. Performance magic. This is uh, less about faith factor, more about doing the right things. Things like you're doing right now. Go to church, pray, read your Bible, help the poor, doing the right things. Those are all great things. I don't want you to hear me saying, don't do these. These are all great things. But sometimes we get caught in the trap of doing them, thinking that that will then lead God to favor us more. Or don't do the wrong things. You can choose your own wrong things. <laughs> Each de denomination has different wrong things, but there are things that we know we shouldn't do. So if we don't do those, the thought might be, then we enlist God's favor and God will bless us and good things will happen to us. It's performance magic. If I perform the right things, God will bless me. Paul in his book talks about, uh, he, he was getting onto an airplane and he decided he'd have some fun, so he pulled out of his backpack his own book, The Shack, and he stumbled into his seat and happened to be sitting next to a woman and accidentally threw the book on her lap. And she looks at the book, hands it back to him, and she goes with a scowl. Ugh. Have you read that book? <laughs> to which he said, yeah, I've, I've read it. Would, did you? And she goes, yeah, I hated it. 
And she talked, but told him why, like it, it didn't fit with her image of faith and she had a much more rigid sense of faith and this was too laid back and easygoing and she didn't like that. And, and over time, it became evident to her that he knew way too much about this book. And she slowly goes, oh crap, you're the author. <laughs> and he said, yeah, and, and then he had to prove it and he pulled out his driver's license to show her and all this. And so she felt horrified, but, but he then says, all right, let's, let's stop talking about the book. Let's talk about you. Tell me about your life. And so she went on to tell this amazing story of she had been an addict most of her life. And then she met some fundamentalist, really uh, rigid, conservative religious people. And she became a part of this, this fundamentalist church where you had to follow certain rules. You couldn't do this. You had to do that. And, and she, was, she, she had to stay focused on this religious life so that she wouldn't slip back into her old life. It was a way of, uh, she, she almost in, in a sense saw her faith as holding her captive so that she didn't become what she used to be. And she, as she described this, Paul said he could see the, the tension in her as she tried to sort these thoughts out in her head and afraid. And that's why she didn't like his book, because it didn't fit into this narrow sense of what her faith had to be. And so they landed, and it was about time to get off the plane, and they kind of celebrated this time that they'd had together. And he said, if you, if you don't mind me saying this, let me tell you one more thing. He said, let me, let me offer you this. If Jesus was sitting in this seat instead of me right now, do you know what I think Jesus would say to you? Relax. Relax. And he said tears started flowing down her cheeks. It's like the first time she'd heard something refreshing about faith. Relax. You see, sometimes we just get caught in this trap where we, where we feel we have to perform certain things. And Jesus might be saying to us sometimes, just relax, relax. What if instead, what if in an alternative to performance magic or any kind of magic at all in terms of our faith, what if instead we looked at our faith journey as a relationship with God? Relationship with God. And relationships aren't rigid. They're mysterious. You never know where they're going to go. And it also comes with a loss of control. You give up trying to control that, that deity or that other person because you're just trusting that you're on this journey. And that's, that's where relationship leads us, to this word, trust. Trust. That no matter what, God promises to be with us. No matter if we're healed or we're not. God promises to be with us. Whether our business is successful or an utter failure, God promises to be with us. Whether we win or, in the case of my football life, lose, God promises to always be with us. So this morning, I want to say this. If you're stuck, if you're stuck in some sort of superstition in terms of your faith, that feels rigid to you, or you're stuck in some sort of expression of God as magician. Hear the Paul's words of Jesus. Relax. Relax. 
Gideon, to go back to him, struggling with why are these bad things happening? If, if, are, are we doing the wrong things? God's answer is simply this. The Lord said to Gideon, but, almost like in the, that word but, it could almost be, don't you get it? But I will be with you, no matter what. Amen.